Amen. Happy Easter. And uh, everybody had a great uh, day yesterday. And uh, thank you to those that came to the Easter egg hunt. Uh, we had a great time before it started raining. And then uh, we ducked out a little early. Uh, but I think everybody was tired by 11 o'clock when it started raining anyway. So we were ready to go home. Uh, and so it wasn't a... Um, but uh, we had a great day and a great time, so thanks to those that had a part in that, and uh, uh, whether it was sending your kids or helping make treat bags or frost cupcakes or baked cupcakes or um, whatever else it might have been. So uh, remember, just a way of announcement, uh, next Sunday, Hannah Goucher, a newly appointed missionary to Japan, uh, will be with us. Um, She'll be here for the state meeting, so she's staying. And uh, several of our missionaries that are coming for the state meeting will be in various uh, Mississippi churches Sunday. So uh, Hannah will be here. I'm looking forward to meeting her and hearing about uh, her ministry in Japan. She uh, is from Cross Creek, is the name of that church, right, Brother George? In Olive Branch, Mississippi, so uh, up north. And uh, a recent graduate of Welch College. And, uh, so uh, you'll look forward to that. You'll enjoy that. So make sure you're here next week uh, for that. Me praying for our state meeting coming up this week. Um, and so I hope you'll make it for the services at 7 o'clock Thursday evening. Uh, and you're welcome to come anytime. But uh, business starts at 9 o'clock on Thursday. And um, worship service at 7 that evening. And then Friday night is the uh, youth service. So bring your kids, and after the youth service, they're going to, uh, what's the putt-putt play, uh, bone something, bone max or something like that, uh, so uh, something, there's some kind of bone or something in the name of it, but uh, it, it'll be fun, and uh, they'll have a good time, so come and join them for that. If you have your Bible this morning, I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 16, and uh, as we um, celebrate Re Resurrection Sunday, we come a little bit early, uh, and it was hard probably for all of us to get up this morning because we're, uh, the rain uh, probably put us in a little bit deeper sleep last night. I know I sleep better in the, the rain, and you may too. Um, and, and then we're getting up a little bit early than we're used to on uh, Sunday morning. But that first Easter morning, there were some women that got up even earlier uh, to head uh, to the tomb to anoint Jesus uh, and did not find him there uh, in the grave. Take a look with me at Mark chapter 16. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. It says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices and that, that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, one of the other Gospels tell us, before the sun even came up, uh, that first day of the week they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And when they had said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. 
you seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. And so they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he arose uh, early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her. They did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. What an interesting take. And I encourage you, uh, maybe this afternoon after you take a nap, um, after probably lunch with family, uh, it'll definitely be nap time. You've earned it, uh, getting up so early on. Uh, Easter morning to be here for uh, sunrise service. Um, read the resurrection account in all four of the Gospels, for they all have a little bit different of a perspective, and they give us some um, uh, clues to help us fill in and get a full picture. And uh, there are some differences, and I want to just address for a minute a couple things before we uh, look at what I want us to pull out of this text. And the first is this that. You know, the, the differences shouldn't concern us um, because they're written by four different people from four different perspectives with four different purposes. Uh, and when you hear a story uh, told, somebody tells you about an event. Maybe uh, yesterday we had the Easter egg hunt and it was the, that hour we were there was a great success and we had a lot of fun. Uh, Holly was there. And I bet if you were to say, Holly, how'd the Easter egg go? She'd tell you some things that went on. And then Sarah, her daughter, her own flesh and blood was there too. You go to Sarah and you say, Sarah, tell me about what happened at the Easter egg hunt. Chances are fairly good that the basic story would be the same, but they would be different at the same time, wouldn't they? And then even if we asked Colby, Colby was there. If we ask Colby, and Colby did things that, you know, the adults didn't do. I mean, he jumped and jumped and jumped and jumped. And I think he had a bath that morning, but he needed another one by the time he got home because he sweated so much from, from all that jumping. And we said, Colby, what about that Easter egg hunt? Well, he would tell the story about that same event. And do you think it would be the same as Holly's or Sarah's? No, it would be slightly different. But talking to all three of them, you would get a pretty full idea uh, about what might have happened uh, there at uh, the Easter egg hunt. And so the Gospels are that same way. So uh, they paint a, f a full picture, and there's details that one points out that the other doesn't. Uh, some of the Gospels mention two angels. Uh, one of them says the angel's sitting on top of the rock. The other... You know, here in Mark, there was one, and he was inside the tomb. Uh, chances are there probably were two. Um, and yet, uh, that didn't stick, stick out to them. And then secondly, I want us to note and remember that the gospel of Mark is really the gospel of Peter. 
Uh, Mark uh, wrote it, but Peter is the one that told it. And Mark wrote it down. And so it's significant how uh, Peter is referred to here in this passage. As the ladies get there and they find this tomb, the angel says, hey, don't be alarmed, don't, don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus, but he's not here. And he says, go and tell the disciples in verse 7, and Peter, that Jesus is going and, uh, you know, he's going to meet them uh, and tell the disciples what you've seen and what I've told you. And so they do. Peter was among those groups. And when you read uh, the other Gospels, when you read John's Gospel, especially, John tells us that the two disciples that went, after they heard, they didn't believe what these ladies said. They said, man, these ladies are crackpots. Man, they're so upset and, you know... um, just affected by mourning and sadness. They don't know what reality is. But Peter, John tells us, got up and ran to see. And then John tells us that he uh, went as well. And so John and Peter ran to the tomb. They came back and told the other ten disciples what they had seen. And they didn't believe them either. They didn't believe the women and they didn't believe Peter or John. Because it is such a remarkable story and it's something that doesn't normally happen, does it? Normally things that are dead tend to stay dead. Unless God intervenes. And God is on the scene and he certainly was that resurrection morning just as he was that Good Friday. And so let's look and and see what we can pull out of this resurrection story this morning. Uh, And the first thing that I want us to see is that this reminds us, the resurrection story reminds us that God has it under control. We as human beings, we like to be the ones in control, and we like to have all the pieces in place and we like to know how things are going to work out and yet that's most of the time not the way that God works Jesus had told his disciples and those that followed him all along that he was going to die that he was going to be crucified Mary told his disciples as they were outside of the temple uh, that last week of his life he said you know what I'm going to to tear these walls down and build them back up in three days. And he wasn't talking about the, literally, the temple. He was talking about his body. Of course, the disciples didn't understand that. And it would be a good while before they finally got it through their thick skulls. Even these, these ladies, um, Mary Magdalene, whose life had been so changed uh, by Jesus, uh, Salome and most likely Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, there's a lot of, Mary's was common name, there's lots of folks that think, that there's lots of candidates that it could have been. But it most likely was Jesus' mother. 
And you remember that Jesus had a brother named James that was the author of the letter of James that we have in the New Testament. Uh, it most likely was that Mary, but we can't be certain about it. Some Mary. In fact, a few Mary, a couple Marys, at least, were there. And even they, so they were women that had been impacted by Jesus, and yet they even questioned. They were getting to the tomb. They were thinking like ladies think. They, they were details and results and how on earth are we going to move that stone? It's a big old stone. And while they were tough ladies and they were probably pretty strong in their own right, they knew they weren't going to be able to move no boulder that it took several Roman soldiers to roll in front of that tomb. And they looked up and guess what they found? That stone had been rolled away. I said, well, I wonder what's going on. And it's in it, they didn't find the Roman soldiers there. We'll talk more about that at 11 o'clock. But who they did find was an angel. And his message was what the message of angels most of the time is in the Bible. The first words of his mouth, don't be afraid. Which it tells us that you know angels weren't the sweet little creatures that we find on television uh, and portrayed, but they were something that for some reason they would make people naturally afraid. Because their message was, don't be afraid, for I bring good news. You remember that, that Christmas morning, the angel proclaimed hey, to the shepherds, Hey, listen, there's born to you this day in Bethlehem a Savior. And here at the end, an angel again is proclaiming another message to another group of folks that society by and large didn't put much stock in. The angel said, don't be afraid. For Jesus, the one that you're looking for, is not here. For he has risen just like that he said uh, that he would. And so the Easter story reminds us that God has it under control. That even Good Friday and the events that took place, and the horrific things that took place that Thursday evening into Friday were all part of God's divine plan. Though the high priest and the religious leaders and those that cried out for Jesus to be crucified were not aware of their participation in God's plan, they were participants in God's plan nonetheless. And so the resurrection story reminds us, hey, God's got it all under control. Now when somebody dies, that's the end of it, isn't it? That, I mean, that's what the disciples thought. And they said, man, this one that we thought was the Savior is gone and he's been defeated. It's, it's over. 
And yet what most people saw as defeat really was the beginning of God's victory. In order for Jesus to rise again, he had to die. And so the resurrection story reminds us that God has it under control. And things work out best when we allow God to have that control. And that's part of what faith in him is. Is understanding that, listen, yeah, we don't understand how things always work out or why things happen. But one thing we do know, that God is in control. And that God is working his perfect will through even the worst tragedies in our human life. God is working even those bad things out for good. Just as God promises, Paul, remember, reminds us in Romans 8, that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And so let's take courage. Let's... um, Take faith in knowing that God has it under control. And if God has it under control, that means you don't have to have it under control. It's not in your control. And it's a good thing because you'd mess it up. But we need, when we find that when we let God be God, He's got it. He's got it under control. It's a hard lesson for us to learn. But then secondly, I want us to note and and realize as we think about the resurrection story that God reveals himself and his plan to us. People didn't believe. Way back in the Old Testament, starting back in Genesis chapter 3, after God had pronounced uh, judgment on the serpent and upon Adam and Eve, He gave this glimmer of hope, the first glimpse of the gospel. And from that page all the way forward through the Old Testament, God is revealing how he's going to work his plan to send the Messiah, to to deliver his people, to, to bring new life to people that would put their faith and trust in him. And guess what? They didn't get it. But then Jesus came. And remember, Jesus said, I came that I might reveal the Father. And that's what Jesus was about his entire earthly life, was revealing God and his plan to mankind. That's what he was about. That was his mission. That was his understanding. guess what? People didn't believe him either. They saw the tragedy of Friday, and man, that tragedy almost snuffed out the hope of Easter. But thank God that hope and the power of God overcomes even the most dire circumstances. God reveals himself and his plan to us. He reveals it through his word. He reveals it through his spirit. Reveals it through his church. Uh, you know, I think that God helps us to, you know, there's that old hymn that God leads his dear children along. You know, some through the fire, some through the flood, you know, but all through the blood. But God does lead his children 
The problem is, oftentimes, we don't listen. Just like the great majority of the disciples. I don't think John and Peter fully understood or fully believed what these women had said. I think they probably thought they were crackpots like the other ten did. But there was something in John and Peter that said, what if? And so they ran to that tomb. And they found that it was just like the women had said. And the angel was there and met them as well and said, hey, look, come look at these grave clothes. And the grave clothes were neatly folded and set in the corner. I think that was in purpose. I think Jesus wanted us to understand nobody took him. And it wasn't a, a quick exit, but that he took time to fold up those grave clothes because he wouldn't be needing them anymore. And he set them down, and Peter and John saw that. They ran back and told the other disciples, and guess what? They didn't believe. Peter and John. These two guys that they had walked with and lived life with for three years. So, nah. We, we can't believe that. And you'll remember that the gospel even recounts for us Jesus appearing to all the disciples in the upper room. And you remember they saw that and said, so, okay, we'll, we see, we've seen it with our eyes. But you remember Thomas said, you know what, I, I don't believe it. And so Jesus said, Thomas, feel in my hand. You see these scars. And so we need to remember that God reveals himself and his plan to us. Our difficulty, though, is believing it. We don't have to understand it. Though most of the Bible, I'd say even 99% of it, is clearly understandable. There's a little bit that, my gosh, it, it's puzzled Christians for ages. And it probably will puzzle us until we stand before Jesus and he sorts things out. And I think by then it's not going to matter uh, that we understand it, but we'll understand it. God is not undone by our not understanding. He doesn't tell us to understand it. He just says obey it. And that's where the key is. And that's where we know that our life is being built upon faith is when even when we don't understand something. We say, all right, God, I've heard you and I know this is what you want me to do. And so I'm going to do it. And most of the time, God does not reveal the entire plan to us. He gives us one little piece. And part of the reason for that is because if he gave us all of it at one time, it would overwhelm us and we'd all shut down. We, we wouldn't be able to handle it. And he knows that. And so he gives it to us a little bit at a time. And... Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. 
to come and help you in the Holy Spirit's that seal of authenticity of your faith and salvation and the fact that you're um, in covenant with me. He's that seal of guarantee. But part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is also guiding God's children and helping to understand God's word and God's will uh, for our lives. So God will never ask you to do something contrary to his will or to his word or to his will. But sometimes we don't know how to, to flesh that out and the thing is we need to learn to trust the Holy Spirit and let him guide us and direct us. And he will. Just like I think the Holy Spirit prompted John and Peter to say, you know what, why don't you go see? And they found it, just as these ladies had said. But then as we conclude this morning, we're reminded, not only does God have it under control, he certainly does. He is the one that's the Almighty. He's the one that put the plan together, He knows how it began, he knows how it's going to end, and he knows everything in between. But he doesn't just keep it to himself, he reveals it to us. He reveals not only himself, but his plan to us. And Resurrection Sunday reminds us that we serve a God who is not unknowable. A God who is not Uh, unconcerned with the things that we're concerned about. But rather, it shows us the opposite, that God is approachable, that God is knowable, and God is concerned about the things that we're concerned about. And so then, finally, this morning, God reminds us through Mark's uh, recording of the resurrection, we are all called to decide. Because you see, Easter morning causes us, every single one of us, to make a decision. Good Friday was trying to lead us and push us toward recognizing and understanding that Jesus was exactly who he said he was, that he was God. And that he was also fully man. And that he shed his blood for my sin debt and your sin debt and the sin debt of all of the world. But then Resurrection Sunday left absolutely no room for doubt. And it caused us and calls us even today, called the disciples to make a decision. Now the disciples would eventually make the right decision, but it took them a while to get there, didn't it? But they could no longer go on as business as usual. They had to decide, yes, indeed, I believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, that he's God, and that he gave his life for me to pay my sin debt, And so we have to decide whether we're going to receive that gift or whether we're not. And every single human being is called to make that same decision that Easter morning, that first Easter morning many years ago 
began to call people to make. And so these three ladies certainly believed because they saw. They certainly had faith. They loved Jesus. Jesus had done so much for all three of them. And their lives had been changed. And so they went to the tomb that morning expecting to continue to mourn. Expecting to put some spices on Jesus' body. And they found the tomb empty. It was a borrowed tomb that Jesus wasn't going to need very long. Then Peter and John went and found. And they said, and they said, you know what? It did happen just exactly the way Jesus said it was going to. And I think they were amazed at it. Just like we're amazed when we see God work in our life, most of the time we're amazed by it. We shouldn't be, but we are. The disciples that were sitting in that upper room heard John and uh, Peter. And what does Mark tell us? And he knows because Peter is the one that's telling Mark. Peter says to Mark, you know what, John Mark? They didn't believe us either, those sorry rascals. So friend, as we wrap up this morning, we know the story of Easter. We know that it's not about candy and bunnies and eggs. We know it's about a man named Jesus. But what are you going to do with that? Are you going to believe? And understand that believe is just not this mental assent that, yeah, I think that's probably true. But when you believe something, it impacts how you act, how you behave, and how you live your life. And so if you really believe and you really have decided to follow Jesus, then Jesus says, follow me. And so I pray that this Easter morning we will renew our commitment to follow Jesus. To simply have faith and walk in his ways. We won't always understand it. We won't always like it. But when we understand that God reveals his plan to us, that he's under, he has control, that he's in control, he's got it all figured out, he's working things together that we can't see, And he's revealing himself and his plan to us as we walk with him. And so we have to decide whether we're going to obey him and we're going to live for him or whether we're not. And so I hope we'll make the right choice. And I hope it won't take us several days like it took the disciples to come to the right conclusion. Let's stand together and uh, we'll be dismissed uh, in a word. Seth, uh, lead us.